unscripted. Each episode is available to view on YouTube, so be sure to check us out. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. It's hard to trust that biochemical response. It's hard to trust our emotions. We're in a we're in a place where emotion regulation or making decisions based on emotions kind of at its peak. And so we got to get to the point where we make decisions based on our values and beliefs. And if we can navigate and really kind of step back from those biochemical and emotional responses and get to the point where we can get to our wisdom, that's where it's very paramount that we make decisions based on those. Hey everyone, welcome back. Uh, today we've got Cody with us, who is a licensed uh, clinical therapist, and we're going to be talking about like mental health stuff and grief and doubt and just all sorts of really interesting things, to be honest. So, Cody, thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, why don't you go ahead and just tell us a little bit about um, what you do with as a therapist, and then we'll just kind of get into get into some of this stuff. Yeah, I, I help people with a lot of mental health issues, and I specialize in betrayal trauma and addiction recovery and mental health recovery, and a lot of that through that process is navigating doubt, navigating a lot of grief, and knowing how to go through life with those things that come in through denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and eventually getting to the point where we can get to that uh, that wonderful resignation or the acceptance of a new normal. So, yeah, I think this is really important because, um, I grew up in the church and my paradigm for a long time was my faith is going to protect me or exempt Mm -hmm. me from challenges and trials. And I think a lot of people think that. And then when challenges and trials show up, they're like, well, now what? what did I do wrong? Or, or have I not been believing in the right things? Or how, what do I do with this? So maybe, maybe walk us through that process. What do we do? And maybe you can use some examples from things that you've seen in your profession. Um, what are some of the challenges that people are coming to you with and how do we navigate those? Yeah. With different grief, we, we never really wanted it. We usually go through life wanting light and insight. We always want light and insight in our life. And so once something that's dark or like even doubt, right? It's, it's the discovery of obscure and unexpected things that come in. It's like, whoa, I did not expect that at all. And I don't know what to do with it. In fact, maybe I wasn't taught how to navigate any type of that um, doubt because more of the time we're going through and we're saying, oh man, I wasn't, I was supposed to expect rainbows and butterflies. Yeah. But I need to expect that there's going to be something that comes in and tests me a little bit. And a lot of the times we think that our faith will go in and, and just say, oh, yeah, I can just go through this and Heavenly Father and the atonement's going to kind of compensate for that. But really getting to that point where we can navigate that grief because it has a biochemical and an emotional response for us that can be really weighty. And because the adversary is really good at piggybacking on that weighty circumstance, getting to the point where we go from that bargaining state of grief where we're questioning a bunch, we're denying, we maybe go through that denial, but we're questioning a bunch and then saying, okay, how do I get to that point where I'm fretting or bargaining without the spirit to get to the point where I can ponder with the spirit through my grief? Then I almost like can piggyback on my savior as opposed to uh, going through that grief in my own brain, 
Because a lot of times, yeah, we're, we're extremely genius in so many different areas. We've got to realize that we're so much more genius and we have so much more wisdom when we can be guided by God through those processes of, of grief. Because that doubt or that grief really can cultivate something very beautiful if we allow Heavenly Father to come in and, and help us through it. Kind of reminds me of the uh, pottery, right? We've all heard that that analogy before and it breaks and then they fill in the cracks with gold and it becomes something more beautiful exactly. than it was before. Is that kind of what you're referring to? Yeah, it's something so beautiful. Uh, we ought to, you know, it's just amazing because that curiosity that comes through the doubt, like when we're questioning something or we're doubting something, uh, that, that promotes a godly curiosity if we allow it. A lot of times if we, if we, Maybe you've had an experience where we, our, our doubt or our, our questions have been villainized mm. or maybe weaponized against us. That's where um, we may be hesitant to not question or not uh, go and get curious with whatever we're experiencing. And so that's why it's so important to not villainize doubt, to not villainize any type of curiosity, because it is so, so important when we hit those unexpected and we discover things that we're just like, oh man, I had no idea on that that we are able to, to have grace and mercy for ourselves, but also promote that for others when they do have those questions or those curiosities. And what do you mean by villainize? Do you just mean like basically just not see it as a bad thing or? Yeah, I, I, I purposefully use kind of that harsh word there just so we can know that, man, we've got to make sure that, that doubt and curiosity can't be um, so harshly taken, but guided. And so I use that harsh word on purpose because I love the English language and I love the power of language, especially for our mental state, to make sure that we can say, okay, I ought to not villainize it because mm -hmm. it's not bad. There's so many times where we've had wonderful questions and we ought to be able to, to do that. I, I take the example of Thomas a little bit, right? We've villainized, we've, we even have a, a phrase that said, don't be a doubting Thomas. Which is like, oh, come on, we gotta, we got to slow that down and we've got to soften that approach a little bit. Because what happened to Thomas? When he asked the right questions, he got to see the hands and, and uh, he got to touch Christ. And so it's really important that we, that we soften that guilt and that my, my personal approach to doubt as I've kind of wrestled with uh, what to do with it, right? This sounds cheesy, but I think of a boat right? And the doubt is the wind. And it can either capsize the ship, can blow it over, or it can be the wind in your sails that takes you where you need to go. And I think a lot of the result is just going to depend on how you look at it, how, do you, how you perceive it, how you utilize that doubt when it comes. Not necessarily if it comes, because it's, it's going to come at some point. So, um, so what, what is your approach to handling it when it does come? Like, what, what do we do? What, what specifically do we do with it to make it not a bad thing? Right. For sure. And to turn it into something positive. Yeah. Because when we get to that point where we can navigate grief with, with God by our side, right? When we can have him buoy us up and we can synergize with God, that's where we get an accurate um, and balanced view of justice and mercy, right? Okay. If we go over abundance to justice during doubt, we may go and say, kill the beast, kill the beast. Let's go kill whatever's creating doubt in my life. Well, I say we kill the beast! Yeah! And maybe even leave it or, you know, set it aside, go away from it. 
make maybe impulsive decisions based on that justice-oriented approach. Um, or we can go to the overly merciful approach, which says when we don't maybe learn much, but we just blame it on humanity or blame it on some type of imperfect state um, that is causing that doubt or causing that that question that moment. And so what what I want to do is help people grieve with a with an accurate and adequate and balanced justice and mercy, where they can really ask the right questions to Heavenly Father and to people that know, um, especially prophets. I love going through and, and understanding and reading words of the prophets or listening to the words of the prophets. That's where we can actually see and be still and see with eyes that aren't so impulsive and get to the point where we can make accurate decisions. Because most people will make decisions based on that overabundance of justice or overabundance of mercy. Mm-hmm. And so we want to get to the balanced state of mercy and justice where we can actually make decisions based on our values and beliefs as opposed to navigating those things with the overabundance on the dichotomous sides. You mentioned earlier um, kind of the the psychochemical reaction um, to to doubts and grief and struggles like this. And it reminded me briefly of um, one of my favorite interviews we've done with Don Bradley. Uh, he talked about his conversion story. And uh, he, he left the church and then eventually came back. And he talked about after he had left, he just fell into this. Uh, I don't know if depression was the word that he used um, but just a very dark place mentally. And he said that it felt like he had blinders on his eyes and that he almost couldn't see the good things uh, of the gospel. And I'm wondering, does that, is that, does that tie into this psychochemical reaction that you're talking about a little bit? Yeah. Because like you, like you were saying before, we may have a kind of like a rainbows and butterflies approach and all of a sudden something comes in that's, that's ugly, that's unexpected. And we may be betrayed by that that response or whatever it is. And if we stay in that, right, because that creates a victim state. And even those that have been through that victim state, really, they still have to get to that point where they can operate in life right, to make sure that they can operate with their, their, their values and beliefs and be able to navigate life in really effective ways. But when that victim state or when that unexpected thing comes, it has a biochemical approach of, I mean, we can name the chemicals, but cortisol hits. We've become very unsatisfied. Renin hits. Our body goes through something that's really harsh. And then the emotions come. And so not only are we having an emotional response to that grief or whatever that, that stimulus is, but our body and brain remember all the different biochemical responses that we're having. And so then our amygdala comes in with that remembrance system and so then we have semblances or maybe some things that come in that remind us of that grief or that doubt or that whatever. And we have a response that we didn't even know we were having. And so sometimes it kind of re resurfaces mm-hmm. on a regular basis to remind us of that, that, that state. And therefore, like through that grieving process, we get to get the chance to navigate that with God, right? If we can get to that from that thinking without the spirit, the fretting, bargaining state, to thinking with the spirit, that pondering state, that's where we can start to notice how to navigate those really harsh biochemical responses. So Does that make almost, sense? Uh, well, I'll, I'll restate it and let yeah. me know if I'm off sure. base. It's kind of almost like stepping outside of yourself mm-hmm. and recognizing both what is happening to your brain mm-hmm. and what is happening kind of emotionally and trying to separate yourself 
from those things a little bit um, to try to take more of a measured approach yeah. to, to doubt? Is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah, because it's hard to trust that biochemical response. It's hard to trust our emotions. We're in a we're in a place where emotion regulation or making decisions based on emotions kind of at its peak. And so we got to get to the point where we make decisions based on our values and beliefs. And if we can navigate and really kind of step back from those biochemical and emotional responses and get to the point where we can get to our wisdom, that's where it's very paramount that we make decisions based on those. Hmm. This is fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It really is. I'm learning a lot here. So where would, uh, I mean, what, what would you suggest people do to, to get to this place you're talking about? Like, is this something where they might need to go and talk to a licensed therapist or is this something they can do on their own? What would your suggestion be? First off, we just want to soften whatever, right? Yeah. We gotta, we gotta remember, and hopefully this will validate anybody that's going through any type of doubt. Anybody that's listening, if they're going through doubt or if they're going through any type of betrayal or feeling that betrayed or in that true victim state, because it's, it's not uncommon for all of us to be kind of in a victim state just by the state of humanity, right? Humanity is hard. Human yeah, it's really hard. And so best place to go is, is extreme validation of why you may be in pain and knowing that there's, it's just not you, you, you want light and insight in your life. It's uh, this adversary that has over 7,000 years of experience. He knows how to, he knows how to turn it on when we're going through grief. And so having that as a validation to say, I'm okay. You're okay to grieve. You're okay. This is one of those experiences. It's hard. You want light and insight. And so where do we go get light and insight? And so we ask the right questions to the right people, hopefully people that really um, guide us and don't villainize our doubt or our questions or curiosities. But hopefully that guides us to a heavenly father and a Christ that will you know, really make the atonement tangible. Because when we can really take out the adversary and say, wow, no, that's that stuff's coming from you, man. Like, yeah, I'm grieving, but you're adding pain. And I don't like that too much. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go to someone that, that actually adds light. And that's why I love a God that is omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent, benevolent. He knew everything that we'd ever go through before we even knew we would go through it. And so allowing that type of God in our lives, when the type of God that we're uh, being introduced to all over the place is kind of ugly these days. And God is so good. He's so wonderful. And so being able to navigate those hardships with him, that's where we can actually get to that pondering. So I call them letters to God, even letters from God. I'll take my fiery questions, anything that I have that's causing doubt or pain. And I'll just say, Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful that I get to navigate this with you instead of my own brain or instead of like whatever scholarly article I was pointed to read. I'm so glad I get to navigate this with you because now I can take my questions to you and see how to do them with an accurate and balanced justice and mercy because I really feel overabundance of justice right now. I really want to go kill the beast (laughs) or I really feel like I need to... I need to be kind of punished in some way for having this experience or my goodness, why do I want to just keep on going to understanding or over overabundance of mercy for whatever, when I still feel like a doormat. Right. Mm. And so I don't want to go to that. I don't want to go to the dichotomous approaches. 
I want to go to that balanced approach, which I know I can only receive that revelation and guidance through you. And so I'll do those, I'll do those letters of God. One of the, that's one of my favorite things is letters to God and letters from God. Actually allowing him just to take my pen over and say, Hey, dear Cody, you're <laughs> awesome, man. Like, it's okay that you're going through this. I've got some advice from you. And so similar to what the brother of Jared would do, or anybody that's gone through some type of pain, they go on through, ask the right questions. I need light in my boat. I need light in my life. How do I go get there? I've got this idea. How about this big old dumb box of rocks that I bring to you? Can you touch them? Make them light up? We have ideas that we can bring to him and he will uh, send light and insight in that. That's one approach. Yeah. Letters to God, letters from God. Therapists are being trained really well these days and hopefully they'll, they'll really validate and love the approach of faith with that if you want to take that idea of faith. Some will really emphasize faith. They may uh, emphasize the more of the uh, other approaches. But in what I've learned in my profession, there's so much information that ties back to the, the gospel and why the gospel is so healing. And so that's one of the things I would say. So Great. That. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, backtracking a little bit, I wanted mm -hmm. to say I love that you said that the adversary likes to sneak in there because I feel like it's so easy to, to feel like, everything we're going through is coming just from ourselves, you know, and we're doing, that's all our fault or it's all, you know, in our minds and whatnot. And I, I like just to remember that the adversary, like you said, he really knows what he's doing and he knows exactly how to bring you down. Very much. Yeah. And we I, need to remember just that, like that, that he's really good at making things that already suck, suck <laughs> a lot more. Yeah. Very much. Hmm. Mm -hmm. What were you going to say? I cut you off. I, I often share this with the boys that I'm doing that kind of have an addiction to pornography, masturbation, whatever it is that they're having issues with or whatever addiction people are dealing with. I'll say, Hey, remember that. Yeah. I'll just share this example. Like you're, you're mowing the lawn, right? You're just going along mowing the lawn and all of a sudden a bomb's thrown at you. Was that your fault? Right. Did you just want to go run over that bomb with the mower? You want to go get closer to it? No, you're right. You don't want to go caress it. You don't want to, it, you notice that it's the bomb and you go and do as much as you can to fly away from that bomb. We've got to notice that the adversary is the tempter. He's the one that, that adds that great amount of grief. And it's then when we recognize that the adversary is that part and that it's not, we never choose to have those negative thoughts in our mind that he's really, really doing his darndest to make sure that those are there. But it's then when we recognize that it's our responsibility then to get away from that or to learn from that. And so I've worked with so many people that think they are the adversary, that they are the devil incarnate and, um, being able to explain that, that he's kind of genius. He's kind of got some arsenal against us and that, that really lowers and softens their approach to whatever self-esteem or self-worth issues they're having. But then saying, no, but remember, it's still your responsibility to acknowledge what he's done and go get your power. Go get to that amazing power that comes from the atonement of Jesus Christ. And that's been really helpful for a lot of people, especially, you know, just myself. I love that approach. So, And talking more about grief specifically, I think that it's important to, to maybe acknowledge that, that grief isn't bad. It's something we're all going to go through. It's a process that we all need to go through. I think that the point is... Um, not to avoid grief, but to work through it. 
and not let it become you. Was that kind of what you're getting at a little bit? I mean, I was thinking about your show as I was coming over here. I was like, man, I'd like to ask ask them like what grief they came through when they there's this niche right they wanted to share all these things and i can't imagine that it was all rainbows and butterflies for you as you guys started the show right there's something that you had to go through some obstacle and how did you navigate it you, you you remember those times you see all those times you remember when you're first starting there was an element of impossibility that added extra grief and you're able, because of your faith and because of your goodness, you're able to navigate it. There's even things, you're probably thinking about things right now in your mind because your brain is bringing out all those experiences from the brain bank and saying, oh yeah, that's what we did. Because it wasn't just given to you. Stuff like this that is so beautiful isn't just given to us. And so you've cultivated it into such a beautiful, wonderful resource for so many people. I don't know. So it's almost like uh, that scripture and. Ether, I think, guys, I'm a terrible scriptorian. I like we have them there so I don't have to memorize them. Okay. They're there. That's my approach. But it reminds me of the scripture about weakness, right? Mm -hmm. About how God gives us weaknesses to keep us humble, but that we can, with God's help, turn those weaknesses into strengths. And that kind of reminds me of this this grieving process that we go through that sucks, but when we come out on the other side and when we crawl our way out. Uh, it becomes something that we can use to help other people get through it that are coming in behind us. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Mm, I like that. It sets, up, it sets up such a wonderful blueprint for those that very much follow us. So for those people um, that are watching this and that are in the middle of this grieving process, mm -hmm. in the middle of doubt, what advice would you give them right here, right now to get them started? Yeah, I would say, you know, similar to what we've said in, in this segment, right? Really, really soften and any approach that may be coming from the adversary and, and trying to add a lot of pain to that. But to, just try not to make decisions when you're in that grieving state. If you're going to make this big decisions or whatever you do, try to be guided by something that, that can be a balance of, of justice and mercy and a real good balance of your values and your and your beliefs, what you've lived to the core for so long. Allow yourself some time to ask the right questions and do the right things there and take that doubt. I, I love the question, wherefore didst thou doubt, right? Hmm. Christ didn't say, yeah, he, did, he had a gentle rebuke to, oh, ye of little faith. Instead of why are you doubting, just know, hey, just remember where you're taking it. Where, where are you taking your doubt? Just kind of gently assess where you're taking it and try to step back and take it to a really, really, truly loving Heavenly Father. So that's what I'd say. Love it. Any final thoughts? Anything that you needed to get out of your system that we haven't addressed yet? No, no. That's about it. Right on. Well, awesome. where, where can people uh, where, where can people find you or ask you questions? Or, I mean, do you have social media? Uh, you have a website, right? Yeah, um, lifechangingservices.org is, uh, I work for Life Changers. I'm the clinical director of the Sons of Helaman program. Um, for my personal yeah. sessions, I, I, uh, you can contact me by calling 385-519-6089. And my email is codyhawsllc at gmail.com. If they have questions for you, can they leave them in the YouTube comments? Yeah, for sure. Is that cool? 
Yeah, it's a dangerous place to go, but if you're willing. <laughs> yeah, I'm praying, yeah, for sure. Thanks for listening. If you want to watch our videos, check us out on YouTube or shoot us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter.